May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Over the course of this evening's liturgy, we'll read three portions of the Gospel according to Matthew. We open with the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey and heralded as Son of David. We then heard Matthew's very simple version of the Last Supper narrative, along with Jesus' warnings that all of his followers, even the stubbornly loyal Peter, would become deserters that very night. And at the close of this evening's liturgy, we will hear of Jesus' agonized prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, ending just as his captors arrive to haul him away to what will pass for a trial before the high priest Caiaphas and his council. Then later in the week, we gather for our Good Friday liturgy and read the Passion Gospel and together bear witness as the crowds call for his execution. From being blessed in the name of the Lord, heralded as Son of David, to being publicly executed in so short a time, how is that even possible? The novelist Reynolds Price once suggested that in considering the life and person of Jesus, our own imaginations, and specifically our imaginative storytelling, can be what he called a serious way of wondering, a way in which the Spirit can take us deeper into the gospel. And so in that vein, I offer you tonight three imagined voices. Imagine first a Roman soldier who had been near the gates of the city when Jesus first entered. Now, back with other members of his unit, the soldier begins to speak. There might be trouble brewing, lads. That Nazarene wonder worker, we've been hearing all the rumors about, he's arrived in the city today. Riding on a donkey he was, but you'd think for all the world that he was riding one of Caesar's own horses, the way his followers were making all that racket, tossing their cloaks on the road in front of him, tearing down branches and waving them like flags, shouting out slogans in their rude tongue. Word from the north had been that he had a band of only 12 men, but I'd say it was at least 50 of his own people, counting the women and the children. Add the usual locals looking to throw in with just about anything, and it was a bit of a crowd, and I don't like it. I had a good look at him. He didn't seem much of a threat. But sometimes they're the ones you have to worry about. Heard word that a centurion up in Capernaum claims that this Nazarene healed his slave boy. I mean, I know if you spend too much time up in those parts, you can start to lose your sense of things, but what a thing for a centurion to go looking for help from the likes of him and then to tell people about it. That centurion needs to be sent home for a rest, I'd say. No, the more I think about it, the less I like it. Those damn Jews... They don't know how good they've got it with us here keeping the peace. I think I'll find the captain. 
I'll let him know about it. He'll pass the word along to them that needs to know. But keep your eyes open, lads. I tell you, this one is trouble. Now imagine a hastily assembled gathering of the great Sanhedrin that same day, the gathering of those priests and elders who are entrusted with decisions on behalf of the community of faith in that place. Seated in their meeting hall in the Jerusalem temple, one of the priests rises to address the gathering. Gentlemen, you know why we're here. Jesus the Nazarene, about whom we have been warned, has made his presence all too known in our holy city. If today's events in the temple are any indication, he may be even more of a problem than we had feared. Striding into the outer court, chasing out the sacrificial beasts, knocking over the currency exchange tables, all the while claiming for himself the authority of the prophet Jeremiah. You are making my house a den of robbers, he said. The presumption of the man, it verges on blasphemy. Worse, as he was approaching the city gates, his people were heralding him as a son of David, blessing him in the Lord's most holy name, shouting for him to save us. To look at one such as him and shout Hosanna? They're being swept up in their enthusiasm. You can be sure that the zealots will soon be fired up too, wanting to pull their swords out from underneath where they've got them hidden. Don't they know the fragility of our arrangement with the Romans? As surely as God inspired Moses to lead our people out of slavery in Egypt... As surely as God carried us back from exile in Babylon to rebuild this holy city, as surely as God empowered our Maccabean ancestors to throw off the Greeks who had desecrated this holy place, if we are faithful, surely God will free us from the Romans. But in God's time, not our time, why can't they see this? We need to catch him at his own game. We need to publicly discredit him before too many of the people fall for his lies. Find him in the marketplace when there are plenty of people around. Press him with questions, the sort of questions that can expose him for what he is, a blasphemous traitor. Gentlemen, there may well be a loyalist among the group, there may be one of his followers as appalled by his desecration of the temple, as troubled by those foolhardy hosannas as any of us. There must be at least one of those twelve who will be true to the faith inherited from our forebears. One. That's all we need. Of course, they are mostly peasants in that group, and a bit of silver coin might be useful in reminding one of them of his deeper loyalties. 
I see concerned expressions on some of your faces, gentlemen. Spare me your scruples. You know the violence of Pilate, what he's capable of doing to our people if he thinks there's any chance, any threat of an uprising. Isn't it better that we all do what we can to stop this one man rather than to see the whole of the nation destroyed? Isn't it? And now imagine Gethsemane, where a cluster of tired men lay sleeping in the darkness. One of them stirs. It's the disciple Thaddeus, one of the twelve about whom we know nothing other than his name. And so a third piece of serious wondering look at them all. Sleeping like babies, I guess I must have dozed off for a bit myself. We shouldn't even be here, of course. It's not safe. Not safe to be out so late. Not after the stir the rabbi has caused these past days. He needed to say his prayers, he said, but why here? Why, why out in this garden in the dark? Be better to have just stayed in that room he found for us to share our Passover meal. Much safer there. Of course, it was the strangest Passover meal I've ever had. I'd have to say that. Him telling us that the bread, the, the blessed Passover bread, was his body. And as he passed us the cup to drink, he said that the wine was his blood. And that whenever we shared the meal, we were to remember him. Remember him as if he was going away, or worse, as if he were looking to die. He's been talking so much about death these past months. It wasn't like that in the early days. Oh, no, not in the early days. So when he started to talk about his dying, I thought it was like one of his parables. He said it to get us thinking. He said death, but he meant something else. But now I'm afraid that all this talk, it isn't a parable, not at all. He means it. What was that strange conversation he had with Judas? Him saying one thing and Judas looking for all the world like a guilty boy, caught out doing something he shouldn't be. And then just like that, Judas is out the door, gone into the night, probably gone to hide Hide overnight and then first thing in the morning, do the sensible thing. Up and on the road back home, return to the fishing boats. And then there we all were, Judas gone, we're all bravely pledging, pledging our loyalty to him. And him just telling us that even Peter's words were no good, even Peter's words. And he has a special spot in his heart for Peter. Oh. I wish he'd hurry up with his praying. Ah, here he comes. He's finally done. God's mercy, what's that? Torches. Soldiers? No, no, temple police. Oh, and they've caught poor Judas. And Jesus said, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. 
The story continues to be told on Good Friday.